GVHD Hub Podcasts, brought to you by Scientific Education Support. Hello and welcome to the GVHD Hub Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Zineda Peric of the University of Zagreb, Croatia, and Bipin Savani of Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville, US. Hey, good morning, my friends, and good afternoon in Europe. I'm Bipin Savani. I'm one of the faculty at the Vanderbilt University Medical Center, transplant physician, I'm with Dr. Professor Zina Perik here. Uh, We're going to talk about commonly affected long-term issues after transplantation. And we're specifically going to talk about what should supportive care look like for patients with GVHD and what the role does physical therapy, physical activity play in this patient population. So let me start with some background information and we were going to interact with each other. As we all know, there is a link between late complication and chronic GVHD. Survivorship and late effect and complication of chronic GVHD. As we also know that number of long-term survivors are rapidly rising. Uh, More transplant, more survivors, and many of these patients are vulnerable to chronic GVHD-related late effect. And now we need to focus on long-term survivorship, the shorter life expectancy among long-term survivors. Survivors suffer from multiple issues, including quality of life issue. We need to focus on this and most program able to manage many of these effects, many of these issues in the late effect or long-term clinic or long-term transplant clinic, follow-up clinic or GVHD clinic. So we need to start with what goes wrong in next three decades after transplantation. What what do you think, Professor Perry? Uh, So, um, yeah, well, uh, I mean, supportive care is very, I would say comprehensive. So supportive care is uh, everything besides systemic treatment. So majority of treatment uh, of uh, patients with chronic GVHD uh, is actually supportive care. And there are so many aspects of supportive care uh, that actually uh, we would need a whole day to to discuss it. Uh, And I would say that uh, I think um, this is is the the main problem that uh, usually the focus is on systemic treatment and we are not not uh, focusing enough on uh, some other uh, aspects. Uh, For example, in chronic GVHD, local treatment can be uh, very effective, especially in uh, oral skin uh, and eye GVHD, so most affected forms of of chronic GVHD. Uh, And uh, there also, if you um, have enough effective local therapy, you can even avoid uh, uh, systemic uh, treatment because that uh, usually significantly impairs quality of life of patients. And if you avoid systemic treatment, then uh, you can uh, actually uh, avoid uh, some patients uh, dying of infections, which is actually uh, patients who are at one year still on immunosuppressive treatment. uh, They usually have a higher rate of infections and even lower uh, survival. So prevention of infections is another aspect of supportive care. Then uh, we have uh, nutrition, then we have physical therapy, then we have psychosocial therapy. So uh, this, all these components make it very difficult for uh, um, a hematologist to 
to uh, to take care of uh, when you when there is one patient uh, in front of uh, in front of him. So therefore, um, it is very the most important thing I think um, in supportive care and in management uh, long term and chronic GVHD patients <clears throat> is, is the multidisciplinary approach because. Uh, chronic GVHD is a multi-systemic disorder. It affects any organ, and hematologist is a blood doctor. Although they're <laughs> they're very smart, they're uh, they're not uh, that uh, how to say effective when you have to take care of all this. So uh, I think the, the the real key to the management of all these patients is to have organ specialists who meet and uh, discuss the patient and evaluate it, uh, the patient systematically, and then uh, actually. Uh, try to, to find ways to treat the patient with at least uh, immunosuppression as possible. And if we, if you want to say, uh, say like that, maybe the most uh, supportive care, because this is uh, really something that will improve quality of life and uh, maybe prevent some complications. Yeah, I fully agree. You know, non-transplant team is a very important to long-term care of long-term survivors, especially those with chronic GVHD related post-transplant complication. So I fully agree, you know, we do have best pharmacological intervention ever than before for chronic GVHD. We have now three approved drug. Uh, we have uh, ibrutinib approved in 2017, and then we have ruxolinitib approved in 2021. Again, same year we had early approved Bellumosodil approved for. But at also at the same time, we do have a best documentation of chronic GVHD because of regulatory requirement and other requirement. We do have lots of ongoing clinical trial for chronic GVHD. At the same time, nowadays we have the best supportive management uh, for the patient with chronic GVHD to support them. And again, among all the symptoms, Major problem is physical symptoms. You know, so what are the prevalent physical symptoms? Let me start with here. You know, pain, most pain is correlated with active chronic GVHD, like arthalgia, myalgia, muscle cramp, predominant pain symptom. And second most is fatigue. Fatigue is among the most common concern among transplant survivors. As we know, moderate to severe fatigue in about 50% of survivor, even after five years after transplantation. And then third and most relevant is the reduced sleep quality and reduced sleep quantity, which contribute to poor quality of life and fatigue. In addition, sexual dysfunction and sexual dissatisfaction are common, add to the ongoing issue. So what I can say is one of the major complication is physical dysfunction, physical symptoms, which related to all those manifestations. So how can we help our patient uh, in yeah. addition to targeted pharmacological intervention? I agree, Bipin, with you. This is a big problem. And uh, I mean, basically, what uh, can improve physical functioning is basically physical exercise and physical therapy. So these are the main two, uh, I think, uh, uh, are ways to, to help uh, 
our patients. Uh, the problem is that even though um, the NIH consensus, uh, the German, Austrian, Swiss consortium, uh, they all uh, say that this is important. And uh, in NIH, uh, physical therapy and physical exercise is grade A3 recommendation. These recommendations are general. We do not really know uh, what that means. Uh, and if you look at the data that we have, we have mostly data on uh, transplant um, uh, in general, so physical exercise before, during, after transplant, for example, but not specifically in uh, chronic GVHD and not specifically, especially uh, in sclerotic GVHD, because sclerotic GVHD is, is, uh, is an entity where you can do the most with physical uh, exercise and physical therapy. So uh, we know intuitively that it works, but we don't know uh, when to do it, how to do it, uh, when to start, how long to do it. Um, I would say that um, in um, in uh, in recent times there, there has been a bigger awareness of that. There are several um, several studies or even reviews, uh, meta-analysis of randomized trials that we have in physical therapy, and there is, um, I would say, moderate to high evidence for physical therapy and maybe moderate evidence for physical exercise if it's home-based uh, for for chronic GVHD. Uh, but there is uh, there is a higher awareness and there is. Uh, I, uh, I think we should mention a recent review uh, of rehabilitation interventions in sclerotic GVHD uh, that has been, um, I would say, pub uh, published uh, last year in 2021 um, from Dr. Moles Poveda and the co-authors. And this is a really nice uh, review where um, you can see uh, all, uh, well, first of all, it's based mostly on sclerotic GVHD, but at least you can uh, here see everything that we have, all the data that we have. So it's basically several cases and case series. But uh, also there is um, a review of all possible interventions uh, that uh, can be done uh, in uh, in in uh, patients with sclerotic GVHD. So not only physical therapy and physical exercise, but also some of um, uh, interventions that are used in other sclerotic diseases or also um, there is occupational therapy because patients with sclerotic GVHD have some sometimes problems with um, activities of daily living uh, sometimes they have problems with uh, speech um, as well and uh, eating so there, there are also um, uh, those uh, speech and language specialists uh, that can be involved so this is I think a great overview of what we know so far and what are the future direction, directions uh, in, in, physical, in physical therapy. But um, I mean, basically physical uh, exercise and, and uh, or physical therapy, um, uh, how to say, um, physical therapy interventions uh, in, and physical exercise uh, should, um, should be started as early as possible, of course, but for example, in sclerotic GVHD, we also have to uh, have in mind that um, extensive physical exercise and stretching can actually um, provoke fibrosis. So we have to be careful, uh, careful, uh, careful there. But I would say so: physical exercise, physical therapy, and occupational therapy. That that should be uh, that should be our our goal. So all this uh, all these modalities. And I don't have the best uh, advice on how to do it. <laughs> unfortunately, maybe you do because you have a, a, a great uh, long-term planning no, no. 
No, no, as, as you all know, as you know, I'm not a physical therapist. So I'm not going to mention technical aspect of physical exercise, but I, I fully agree with you. But in short, I can say that data on physical exercise is all over the place, <clears throat> although it is recommended by most. And that's a probably the reason because data is all over the place. Our patients are not addicted to exercise compared to pharmacological addiction. I'm sure we all aware about BMTCT and 0902 study, exercise quality of life in transplant patient. Major limitation of the study was uh, were self-directed intervention and low intensity. And same issue in most study. Overall, to me, BMT study, BMT-CTN study, dampened the enthusiasm for exercise-based intervention during transplant. However, study result directed us to focus on targeted intervention. So let me tell you what we do in our program. Uh, most of our patients are referred to Vanderbilt Diary Center for Health and Wellness. It's a rehab program. First physical exercise evaluation around day 30 post-transplant, all patient, all ELO, after engraftment, and if there is no active infection, like active infection issue or active GVHD issue. Initially, more frequently, like three times a week, two times a week, and then once a week, and then every other week, depending on their need. And uh, initially supervised, fully supervised, then partially supervised, and then unsupervised. You know, this is the best, best way to best get addicted to the exercise program, and it works. And based on our experience. And so in summary, I would say no doubt we have lots of pharmacological intervention, but physical activity, physical di uh, dysfunction is a very prevalent symptom, affect the quality of life even beyond five year, five, 10 year post-transplant. And it is still very challenging to provide best supportive care in patients with chronic GVHD. Supportive care intervention is the utmost priority to me. What do you think, Dr. Perry? I absolutely agree, and we should aim uh, in uh, making uh, in uh, maybe connecting uh, more um, physical therapy uh, specialists and experts, and connecting them, especially the ones who are uh, um, who are taking care of patients with chronic GVHD, in order to provide us also with some uh, some guidance guidance uh, what what uh, to do and how to advise these patients because it's not um, it's not so easy easy if you don't have a, a dedicated program like you have uh, in your clinic, uh, then it's not really easy to advise patients on what exactly uh, should they do, especially, for example, in sclerotic GVHD, uh, and not to overdo it, for example. But uh, it is true that patients intuitively, if they are, um, if they are uh, tired, if they feel fatigued, they rest. So they are not going to go and exercise. And when they rest, their muscles are um, going, uh, are wasting uh, and and uh, they're feeling uh, more and more tired. So it's uh, like a vicious circle. circle. So definitely uh, we have to, we have to um, tell them you are maybe tired, but the, the, uh, the solution is not to rest. You have to exercise to be less tired. Yeah, I agree with you. And thank you very much, Dr. Perik. Well, this was an exciting, exciting discussion and the best thank for you. our patient. Thank you. Thank you, Bipin. Thank you for listening to the GVHD Hub podcast. We would also like to thank our supporters, Insight, Novartis and Syndax. GVHD Hub Podcasts. 
brought to you by Scientific Education Support.